team. How far can you throw that frisbee? Pretty far. Can you throw as far as that field over there? Maybe you better do it. Hey! 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 Oh, now look what you did. You let it escape! Don't worry! I'll wrestle it to the ground and I'll chew it up so good it'll never fly away again! in Disney Plus is Talking the Mickey. My name is Ian. I'm Ellie. I'm Georgia. And I'm Ethan. And we are gathered here today to talk about Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey. So, we're talking about uh, animals talking like humans. So, it now will be a bunch of humans talking about a bunch of animals, voiced by a bunch of humans, talking to other humans. Whoa. And that gives us the uh, the uh, start for where we're going to be. Uh, I want to start with a little bit of reflections and corrections, if I may. Ethan. Um, uh No, no, no. I think you're right. Um, I might be yielding on your selection, or at least coming to a little bit more of a light, to King of New York from Newsies. Oh, yeah. Because that song really? has been kind of off and on stuck in my head all week long since we recorded that. See, welcome to the side that agrees with Alan Menken. We are the best. <laughs> so that's uh, very, very exciting. And uh, also, uh, you know, I thought about giving Andrew Olszewski a shout-out this week, and I thought, no, who we're going to give the Andrew Olszewski memorial shout-out to this week <laughs> will be the Holden the Quill podcast, because they gave us a little bit of love out there on the... Um, on the, on the sort of Twitter, if you will. And that was, uh, that was very much um, appreciated. And if someone wanted to get a hold of us and get in contact with us and let us know what they loved what we were doing here, Georgia, what could they do? They could message us or tag us in something or they could comment on something and they could do that on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. And they are all at Talking the Mickey. No, they're not. That's wrong. On Twitter, it is at TalkTheMickey, because Twitter doesn't have enough letters in the handle. Indeed. Twitter is uh, disappointing on many levels. It's great for Send us, us to, some memes. It's great for us to get us in some contact with some people. But still, it is, um, it is beneficial uh, to reach people. But at the same time, give us enough letters, would you please? Mm-hmm. Please, please, please. Also... I'd just like to point out, I've still had no one take me up on the offer of a date. So um, that is still out there. Instagram, uh, at Talking the Mickey. Just send a message. Be like, hi, Georgia. How are you? And then I might might Yeah. (laughs) So I got some good news on the Twitter, though, this week. And that is that our friend M from Verbal Diorama, which is a great podcast, if you haven't heard that. that, Great name as well. Verbal Diorama. It's excellent. And uh, she got in touch, and uh, she's done an excellent episode, actually, on um, Treasure Planet. Ethan, I think you listened to a bit of that, or, or all of it. I, I listened to the Rogue One episode. I oh, did don't you? Okay. Think I, have, I haven't catched the Treasure Planet. Okay, I listened I to Treasure the Rogue Planet. One one. Did you enjoy the Rogue One? Because I really enjoyed Treasure Planet, and she does it all by herself, bless her. 
Mm. It was it's sort of like, uh, I think it was sort of similar to like Chris Stockman or Your Movie Sucks, where they, they go very deep into a film and sort of discuss it. Yeah, like I think we, we mm. do... Um, we, we do some good stuff for, for deep dives. I think we, we, we do an excellent job. But we are four, four people. I mean, um, this is a much different kettle of fish doing it by herself. And uh, it's really challenging to do that, I think, by herself and still be really interesting. But she is, and gleeful, I might say. Gleeful mm. would be the appropriate word on my part. So, yeah. Uh, but she got in touch with us and let us know that we are going to be film stories, uh Independent British Podcast of the Week. Uh, so when people hear this, uh, we're going to release this on Thursday. Tomorrow, on the Friday, we will be released as Film Stories Magazine's online version of their podcast of the week. So for a little podcast that's been going on for about three months, I don't think we can really be much happier about that. So thank you so much to Emma. Thank you so much to Verbal Diorama. Thank you so much to Film Stories Digital Magazine online for uh, letting us know i guess we're doing something right yeah it's really exciting especially me that's the answer you're supposed to say yes ian you are doing so much right well done ian. yeah you're doing such a brilliant job i think so it was that wild episode i think it was the wild episode <laughs> oh, that's just me i want to thank him for not disqualifying <laughs> us after the, the episode was good but that film is trash man <laughs> So moving uh, a quick pivot, and actually I will bring up the wild in this episode, I promise you I will, because we are talking about Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey. And I think before we start this, we have to go, who is an animal person around the table? Um, I mean, I like animals, I haven't, I no, haven't you, had any... You either are or you are, okay. not this one. But, well, yeah, so probably not, I mean, probably I don't, not. I've never had a, like a dog or a cat, so... Georgia? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, Ethan? Uh, yeah, I got a dog and I'm trying to get a kitten currently, but it's difficult because lockdown. I did not know that about you. I didn't know you had a dog. Yeah, I've oh. had a dog for... Yes, you did. Met I... Lulu. Yeah, you've met my dog. Have I? We've had conversations about her. She's the, like, Lulu she's is like the a only, giant like, rat. Little rat. Yeah, Lulu is oh, the always... only little rat dog that I actually when like. When you get picked up, she's <laughs> always in the car. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Uh, no, and I'm very much uh, an absolutely a, a animal person, and especially a dog person, I think. And I think about 10 years ago, I made the transition from little dog person to big dog person and went, yes, big dogs <laughs> are are super great. Ellie, something you want to contribute to my just, talking about how much I love dogs. I would just like to clarify that I would really like to have a dog. Okay. Even though I've never had one. So I don't feel like I can classify myself as an animal person, but I would like to be one. I think that's fair to look at, you know, it's, it's like me going, I'd like to run a marathon, but it doesn't make me a marathon runner. Yeah. It just makes me someone who one day would aspire to do that. That's, I think it's a bit easier to, to, you know, to, to buy, buy a dog, a dog yeah, than it is to run a marathon. But I always, right now it's not. I, oh, always, I don't know, I asked my parents, they'd rather do one of those. <laughs> I always really, really wanted a dog, and actually looking back on it, I think it might be because of this film. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So that actually is a good segue, because Ellie, you chose Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey. I did, yeah. Can you explain to us your rationale in doing that? Oh, so much nostalgia. Um, I, I used to have this film on video, and obviously I've, I've seen it a few times because of that, and I just love it. I I just think it's so warm, and it makes me feel all fuzzy, and 
I mean, we can talk about the reasons why later on, but I just have very, very fond memories of this film. So if you're out there listening to it, please don't have a lack of like a surprise, whether Ellie liked it or not, make you turn this <laughs> off right now. Remember, I believe we are the British Independent Podcast of the week. So you definitely want to hear what's happening in the remaining God knows how long of this podcast. Um, Georgia, Ethan, uh, let's go in that order. How, uh, have you guys seen this film before? Did you know of this film no. before? No. Okay. Uh, Ethan, same two questions. I didn't remember what this film was, and then I started watching. Went, this seems familiar. This seems familiar, and I think it was one of the films they had on like Disney Cinemagic when I was six. And I remember bits in Cinemagic. Is it like some sort of like Kiwi thing? Uh, no, it was like it was in the UK. It was like their their film channel. They have like all the like not Disney Channel stuff. So like. uh, Lilo and Stitch, the cartoon series, or Emperor's New School. Uh, or, almost terrible uh, spin-offs. Yeah. Sort of things. So, yeah. Something like that. They'd show like an old Disney classic each Friday night, and that's how I got obsessed with Emperor's New Groove as a child, because they played that constantly. Okay. That, awesome. and, that and Tron, for some reason. See, I think I've seen this. I think I have. I really do. Hmm. Uh, but I'll tell you what, I definitely seen the trailer, because I was able to, as the grumpy old man on the, on the panel, 28 years after its release... I was able to go, that was from the trailer, that was from the trailer, that was from the trailer. <laughs> Which says something to Disney's marketing campaign, because Did I remember trailer? these lines, yeah, uh, months and, well, not months and months, geez, years and years, decades later, you know, almost 30 years down the line, I still remember these lines. So uh, if you don't think there's an art to editing together uh, a, an effective trailer, uh, there absolutely is. Ethan, I think if uh, if a trailer came out now, though, you know, modern trailers have a certain way around them where they all have those like big, deep, bassy, and then we'd see like shadow being left behind and then and we'd see the bear. And <laughs> I counter this because in my this is very similar to a dog's purpose. And I get into this later. But is, is this a film or are you just about to wax poetic about the purpose of dogs? Both. But Dog's Purpose is like a a dog trilogy film where Josh Gad plays a dog that keeps dying and being reincarnated. And it has that, the same isn't that kind what Frozen of is? theme. Fun? Isn't that what Frozen basically is? <laughs> Olaf is a snowman who cannot die. Pretty I've been imp- I've been impaled. He's he was like, thirty years ago I had I had an owner, then I died. Now I'm a Chihuahua and I found him again. And this happens for like three films over and over, and I got uh, I got a dog's purpose vibes from from this film. From anybody who's a long term listener, I did just make a joke all the way back to episode one. Now in episode <laughs> twenty one, that is for our original talk in the Mickey ears right there. I'm not even original because yeah. I didn't get it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You've got some homework to do for next week. Um, so let's talk about Homeward Bound: The Incredible Journey, directed by. <laughs> Dwayne Dunham. And I'm not like misspelling or mispronouncing Dwayne. No, it's D U, then capital W. Dwayne Dunham. Uh, I gotta be honest, in the names of good old boys that ever were, I think Dwayne Dunham is on that list because that is a heck of a heck of a sort of southern name. Um, his big thing was he was he's a he's an award winning editor. Um he's won uh Emmy winning for he's sorry, he's won Emmys for editing on Twin Peaks, which Ethan's oh. probably your, your your sort of uh, wheelhouse. Yeah, there. that's very shocking, actually. And he also edited Return of the Jedi. <laughs> 
And then somehow he gets a job directing this. And he does a lot of Disney. So it's like this and Little Giants, which is like a Rick Moranis, Ed O'Neill from Modern Family um, sort of thing about like junior American football. So you got two cracks at Disney films. And then he wasn't allowed to like direct anything again for like 18 years. So yeah, he's all right. Uh, written by Caroline Thompson and Linda Wolverton. Linda, sorry, Linda, Linda Wolverton, which makes we've got two screenwriters, female screenwriters, and it's not a whole lot we've been able to talk about. Yeah, female representation in the writing room. Uh, not brilliant representation, I might add, oh, for this you... film. The writing, really? well, no, the the writing of this film was just let's film some animals and see what they do. At well, least the first twenty minutes was very I... much like that. I might argue at the end, for a film that's so important about the relationship between men and boys and dogs, did they get it right? Or is it a little bit too idealized? And we'll talk about that. Absolutely, it's idealized, yeah. So, uh, this is a remake of the original Homeward, no, not Homeward Bound, the original Incredible Journey from 19, I want to say 62? I could be wrong there. Of the original, so this is the 1960s, the LA Times said, the animals were lovable, of course, but their incredible journey became incredibly dull. The New York (laughs) Times called the original sweet, but terribly creaky. And in the original, there was narration, but the animals did not have voices. 1963, apologies. So, uh, as opposed to this film here, which there's not a lot of notes on this one. Uh, but it received positive reception and has an 87% critical acclaim on Rotten Tomatoes off of the 30 reviews on record. Audiences pulled by CinemaScore gave the film an average grade of an A plus on an A to F scale. Um, and that's really about it. Let's just go ahead and dive on in. I will say that we got to see a widescreen version, which even if you own the DVD, you don't get to watch that. They've got standard if you want to see widescreen, it's iTunes, Rare Laserdiscs, Hulu, Netflix, or Disney Plus. So, before we get into this, I just want to say um, the first ten minutes of this, my Disney Plus me- uh, messed up and made me watch Homeward Bound Two: Lost in uh, <laughs> San, San Francisco? Francisco. Lost in translation, I, got really I think it's called. Yeah, and had the first one spoiled for me. What you? What, what the fact that they actually like made it? Yeah, I was like, you thought oh, Disney no, was going to kill all the. They went on the incredible journey. <laughs> it was going to go. Oh, it was going to go all Tarantino in the third act and every just <laughs> just dead animals everywhere. I, I mean, to be fair, for a while in this, I thought the cat was dead. So well, that's true. You know. yeah, it's interesting. If I didn't and do you think that Shadow was dead at one point as well? Lost in San Francisco. I would. I would have assumed bad things. You can't call Homeward Bound and have them not make it home. I guess you could, because they were bound, but didn't make it. We didn't promise you home. We promised you they were bound for home. But anyway. The incredible journey is just the journey to heaven. Yes. So all dogs do go to heaven, uh, which is not a Disney product. So, uh, film notes. This film wastes no time before giving us the title and the, like, opening score. It's like, here's a... And homeward bow. And then we're going to start the film. There is no credits it's just let's get to the movie and ellie i think you wanted to say something about the score the music in this is so good it just gives me all the feels i love it 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 just brought 
it brought everything back. Now, you're willing to admit, though, this is heavily nostalgia-based, potentially. Oh, yeah, okay. entirely nostalgia. Well, not, maybe not entirely. Because the score didn't um, make a big impact on me. It just, it, it probably is nostalgia then, but it just, it just brought all these memories flooding back how, and just made me feel so happy. How about for our first-time viewers? The score, did it make a mark? I can't remember it. Okay. Yes, same. So it couldn't have been memorable because I don't think I have any notes. On it. Although I did watch it a couple of days ago now, so I will check my notes. Yep. But. And then we have train tracks and a voiceover. And I love me some Michael J. Fox. And this is the first of the uh, actors we sort of get, the voice actors. We get Michael J. Fox as Chance. If I recall correctly, Ellie said last week as we were coming off, uh, finishing the broadcast, um, oh, I didn't know he was in this. And going, oh, yeah, right. he's a voice actor. And well, going, well, the big stars are going to be the voice actors because they're sure as heck not the humans. <laughs> no, yeah. but, no, it was interesting, actually, because as soon as he started talking, I was like, oh, of course that's Michael J. Fox. I absolutely recognize his voice. But obviously the first time when I watched this, when, well, the first several times I watched this film as a child, I didn't even know who Michael J. Fox was. So oh, wow. I'm watching it with different eyes now, I guess. Or different so, ears. Can I just confirm that that's Marty McFly, right? Marty McFly, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. Good. Oh, how the Marty so, you know I'm, You know I'm really, really bad with names. I do. So I'm, that's a win for me. Alex P. Keaton himself. Marty McFly. Uh, I forget what his name was on Spin City. Mike something. It's but they did in the 90s. They let you keep your first name. And they just changed your surname. <laughs> but um, absolutely doing the voiceover. And I love me some Michael J. Fox, product of Burnaby, British Columbia, Canada. So I see him at the uh, at the picnics in the summer times, where all of Canada, Canada gets together. Canada festival, yeah. Yeah, Canada. Can- we celebrate all 150 years of your uh, of your nation. I'll have you know, we're up to 153 and counting. <laughs> uh, I wasn't in Canada for 150. I don't know how big a deal they made about that, but 125 was huge. <laughs> they gave a, you you couldn't as a kid you couldn't go anywhere without them giving you some sort of a sticker like a bumper sticker to a kid. I don't have a car. <laughs> Why give me a bumper sticker? Give me like something cool I can put on my binder. But you had this giant like one massive sticker. Anyway, uh, and then we get introduced to a couple of ideas. And Chance is speaking to us about how he's got a family now, but he doesn't have a home. And I'm like, wow, movie, we are like 75 seconds in, and that is a punch to the soul. A dog who is aware. Or believes that although the family's nice to him, it's not really his home and they're going to get rid of him one day. But what I thought was interesting about this voiceover was that you don't actually see that he's a dog for the first, like, That is true, but they do, kind of, they, do, so, they do kind of play the pronoun So he game. talks about how he was behind bars and how he was adopted and all this kind of stuff. And it's only when he rustles for the blouse in the suitcase that you actually see that he's a dog. So I thought it was an interesting kind of play on the words... I mean, obviously, most people will probably be aware with the concept that the film's about dogs, so it's probably a dog, but... <laughs> I just hope there was somebody <laughs> in the front row going, Whoa! <laughs> That's a dog! They like, turned him into a dog! He's like, I saw Fight Club last week because they were reviewing Fight Club, and it's like the same thing, but This was a, a bigger dog. twist. <laughs> <laughs> and so he interesting. And this is where Chance comes in. Not Chance, Sassy comes in. And I had a cat named Sassy, who I don't know if was named <laughs> after his cat or not. I hope so. But um, she was voiced... Named for a cat. She was voiced by Sally Field. And I thought it was Roseanne Barr all these years. But no, it was Sally Field, who you might know as Forrest Gump's mother in that movie with Forrest Gump in it. I forget what it's called. Um, <laughs> however, um, I thought she, that she's quite a bit older than Michael J. Fox. 
and they have to kind of have this brother-sister dynamic. And in the original Incredible Journey, all the animals were male, and so they made a change here to make mm. Sassy female. And making Sassy female, making you Sassy... You have a male Sassy. Well, no, but whatever the name was. And then but, but making the cat female, but making the cat a cat, you've got two levels of difference for her and Chance to kind of argue and play off each other the whole film, which I thought was good. Mm-hmm. And, I just don't like the cat's called Sassy. Okay. I hate the word Sassy anyway, and then just started to listen to it, it in is, a horrible accent the whole film. It is a very late, It is a very late 80s kind of term. Uh-huh. And then we have a wedding. <laughs> and it's a wedding between... Oh, I have the characters' names on a sheet here. I'm going to try and find them if I haven't thrown them away fully. Mum and Dad. Mum and Dad. Well, it mom was and Human 1 and Human 2. Bob and Laura. Bob and that's Laura. The most, that's the most sort of like stereotypical <laughs> name ever. Bob and Laura getting married as we're hearing this voiceover. And I thought it was a flashback. But no, it's not actually a flashback whatsoever. It's an actual wedding that's taking place. A really strange wedding like, as well. It's like the ultimate small town, like uh, <laughs> s- small town American, like you invite everybody in, in, in a neighborhood over and everybody leaves by 3 p.m. kind of wedding. Um, and then the husband and the new husband and the new wife, Bob and Laura, kiss. And the youngest boy, Jamie, looks away going, yeah. And then... The oldest son, though, kind of looks longingly at his dog. And I, I, I realize that sounds like... <laughs> it seems like he's disappointed and he's looking to his dog. And I thought this movie played quite well with the idea about father figures. And I think there was a message there that um, we don't know what happens to dad. The movie never tells us in the end what happens to dad. But he's behind bars. I don't think he's behind bars. <laughs> I think... I. I it, 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 my Actually inference, narrated by the real dad all along. My in, it's just the spirit <laughs> of a dog. My inference, <laughs> my inference is that the dad died. Yeah, I think so. Anyway, we're, we're not told, but that's the inference I chose to go with. But um, when, when we're introduced to the kids as well, it's um, it's as Laura's kids, so Laura's son and yeah. Laura's daughter. So it's made very clear from the off Laura's that kids he's and he's stepdad. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I didn't mention this earlier, but there was a lot of back and forth between Sassy and Chance and lots of, uh, I don't know, humanistic kind of things. Who woke up on the wrong side of a litter, of a litter box? Oh, I'm up for my cat nap. And I'm like, okay, I get, you're going you're gonna to force feed these the whole movie, right? <laughs> and they did. There was a lot of bad animal human kind of puns the whole film long. It's like cats versus dogs. It's, 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 it's very much the same kind of writing of just... Animal puns, animal puns. Yeah. Try and sort of make it slightly anthropomorphic. And then we get our first sort of line to um, Shadow. And Shadow is played by Donna Michi, who, uh, you know, he's, it's clear his role in this is he feels, there's two things. He feels, number one, he's got to protect Peter. And number two, he actually feels an obligation to teach Chance how to be a dog. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to take this dog under my... It's not a wing, is it? Under my paw? And teach him how to live? Like he's going to squash him. I don't know. He's like, he's like a non-exciting Barney Stinson. He's going to teach Chance how to live, but like in a good way. Um, not in like a playbook way. No, not like a playbook way. And so they go outside and there's, I mean, there's more of it. There's more like get a life, get nine of them. 
Uh, we find out that Chance likes to eat underwear. We find out that Chance Dude. is trying to figure out a way to get fed at the reception. No one will feed Chance. But Sassy shows us because she's clever, she can get fed when she wants. And that was fun to have a little moment where she kind of one-ups him. Um, I tell you what wasn't fun. What's that? I was listening to the sniff acting done by the dog if you had earphones in whilst watching. Oh, it really? was <laughs> horrible. <laughs> I was I was like almost gagging because it was this <laughs> like in my ears it was awful. Tell you what wasn't awful though, Georgia. We cut outside and Peter is playing basketball with Shadow. And it was so cute. It was so cute. Although for the record, Peter is double dribbling all over the place. He would have turned the ball over. That is a violation of the rules. Realize what you're doing here. Don't think they were playing to like NBA rules. I think it's okay. And um, and Don Amici, he just chooses to play. Maybe it's because it's just into the '90s, and we didn't all get cynical yet. Maybe it's a Disney film. Maybe it's a combination of the two. Maybe it's because Don Amici's old. This ended up being one of Don Amici's last films before he passes on. Bless him that that same year. And he oh. just goes genuine the whole way through. And he just goes, I love you, Peter. And I'm like, wow. I really, really, I'm, I'm totally in on this relationship between Peter and his dog. You know, Chance is a bit gimmicky in the sense. But I'm really all in on this relationship between Peter and his dog. Because to, we, we got a little bit of it when we talked about 101 Dalmatians and the way that the dogs feel about their owners. But I thought this was, I don't know how you feel, Georgia. You have a dog. Like, I do have a dog. Like, 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 so does Ethan. Like the yes, that's true too. <laughs> I know George's dog better. Um, so the idea about you know the the inner monologue of a dog, I just felt that this was almost perfectly done. The way that Shadow talked the whole movie, I kind of felt myself going. I really hope my dog thinks about me in that way. Oh. I hope when he comes and gives me cuddles that he's going, "I love you." And I'm like, "Oh, I was like, I think I cried a good." four times throughout this film yeah. and i could blame it on hormones and emotions and uh, other things but i i think it was just i was really really relating it to my dog and going yeah. oh this is not okay um the stepdad of the stepson uh have an expositional conversation peter and uh what was his name bob, bob. i shouldn't remember bob, this bob I should definitely show this because really my, my, my stepdad's name is Bob and Bob is played by Robert Hayes and Robert Hayes was Thanks the lead uh, was was the lead in a series of films called Airplane in the very early 80s. Wait, uh, no, yeah, yeah. no, he was no, the, no. He, he was the straight man opposite Leslie Nielsen. And I was sitting there going, how do I know this guy? Because he was dressed first off. We know what his costume is at the most early 90s costume with like this like like dark blue kind of shirts that are like open from the second button up so he had a little bit of like his like he should have been a soap star with the way that this like <laughs> outfit was but he was always in like this like wide shouldered almost shoulder padded type of shirt with his chest exposed so I'm like so in 11 years he's gone from headlining the airplane movies which were I mean the second one I don't know but the first one was culturally significant to playing human lead in a movie where the dogs are the stars. <laughs> so, Is the airplane the movie, the one with the snakes? For the record, no, that's snakes on the plane. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and for the record, in America we call it, it it's, it's airplane, it's not aeroplane. You 
did you just say you were American? You said in no, America. No, I said it. in America. Yeah, fair enough. In, in, when, when, when the film was released in North America, we as North Americans call it airplane, not aeroplane. Bet. What do they call? What do they call it in New? Don't call me Shirley. What do they call it? What do they call it in New Zealand, Ethan? I think it's just an airplane. Is it an airplane? I, okay. I, I, I honestly, I or, don't or are you know. guys obligated to say just an airplane? <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're going on just the airplane, bro. It's, fine. it's, it's just, like it's just the airplane. It's it's like the ultimate like defense. No, don't get too impressed. Just an airplane. <laughs> we could have more we airplanes fly if on we the wanted wings to. Of the Eagles, anyway. <laughs> yes, so. you do. All the way to Mordor. Um, <laughs> so. And then we find out that there is a wedding cake and there's some sort of crazy catapult move, which is important for later in the film, where Chance realizes that if he gets the cat to move in a certain location and jumps on the other side of the seesaw, uh, he can launch Sassy across, well, not that far. And she lands in a sandbox, which he calls the giant litter box, and is all traumatized. And I'm like, okay, you're really hurting me so far. Oh, I if like I got that. flung into a giant toilet i think i'd be pretty scared yeah, yeah but it's not, it's a, not giant a giant toilet, toilet. Is it? it's just a sandpit <laughs> well, she thinks it is um and then we go to and they're literally being driven to a farm upstate which <laughs> you know a farm upstate i don't know if you guys are aware of this like this is like a metaphor that you is famous for what you told your kids when like you got the, the animals put down you say oh we've taken her to go live with a and they're chasing everything that they're going to do was actually part of a lie that most kids got about where their animals went and i wonder if that was intentional the idea <laughs> will give them this image of a very happy life i would just like to apologize if there's anyone listening to this podcast who genuinely believed their animal had been taken to a farm upstate up until this point and I forget, I meant try to get the woman's name down and I didn't quite get it. Who's the woman who's like the cowboy woman who runs the ranch? She called Kate. I, yeah, I was going to say Kate. Kate. Whether her name actually is Kate or was you just Miss expect Kate? her name to be I Kate. I don't know. I don't know. But I just put, I, I put that she's, okay, this is a complete side note. She's oh. so irresponsible. It is Miss Kate. So sorry. irresponsible. Yes, she is. Why is that, Ethan? Because she's supposed to be looking after these dogs and, and this and cat. cat. Yep. And... And she's like, hey, guys, I know you just arrived here to go on your holiday and you're looking off. You're telling me to look after these dogs that you love a lot and, and your cat. But I'm going away for like a couple of days. So my neighbor, who you don't know, <laughs> the strange man is going to look after your animals for you whilst I disappear and don't but do also, the one thing you trusted me to do. Okay. Also, she leaves without like introducing the animals to said neighbour. Yeah, that's true. Like, you would not... Like, this whole movie doesn't happen if Kate <laughs> is just a little bit more responsible. This is where the movie began. I hate it's to say this. even worse bit in a minute. Is Kate the best... Is Kate amongst the best of the, like, adult actors, though? Yeah. Yeah. Because I think she is. Her and the guy that the cat... That finds the cat. Okay. Ah, <laughs> yeah. oh, no, the little girl. So the single ah! woman on a farm... A single woman on a farm... Uh, who looks after animals upstate? It's a bit of a trope. I mean, there was a, there was a, there was kind of like, oh, you know, her and her good friend so and so. Oh, are they good? For, you know, that kind of gimmick. And I was sitting there going, you had to make her single, didn't you, Disney? You couldn't, you couldn't give her a husband because she can still do all the stuff. She, I guess, she can't make her married because they have to have some. You know, they have to be left alone, don't they? Uh, I mean, they both could have gone. That would have made suppose, sense as yeah. well. But like, so chance. They get to the the the, um, the farm and Chance rushes out of the car, 
And if you notice, the camera pans really quickly away after Chance gets out of the car. And that's because if you go back and look at it, when Chance rushes out of the car, he knocks the youngest child's head into the window of the car (laughs) so hard. (laughs) <laughs> they had to like impose it away because he like really smacks his head on the car. I need to go back and see. This movie think... went to great lengths to, to to let you know that the animals were always okay. The humans, mm-hmm. not so much. I did there are notice where he... I really question that. I did notice that he got out of the car really forcefully, yeah. but <laughs> yeah, yeah. That it. I totally was looking because I did a little bit of research beforehand, and I stopped after at the point when I need to see this for myself and not mm-hmm. be so. But I did pay attention to that one. Yeah, the kid smacks their head pretty hard. It's the, the youngest one, the one kid who plays Jamie. Um, oh, no. And then, uh, why wasn't Kate at the wedding? I know she goes, "Oh, I wish I could have oh, come." Don't know. <laughs> Like I'm like, why weren't you there? Is it something to do with she the had horse? to look after the horses? But why couldn't her friend look after the horses? Yeah, she's she able to look after the dogs and the cats. This is a giant yada yada yada. That's all it is. Well, they could have just had her at the wedding. Couldn't well, here's they? There why, wasn't any here's why you couldn't have her at the wedding. You couldn't have her at the wedding because you needed that conversation to take place between Peter and Bob. That tension, right? I want to go. I don't want to take them there. Well, because there's no room for them in San Francisco. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Why couldn't I have had that conversation if she was Because if she's there, when it takes the onus off of the, 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 the conflict between oldest stepson and stepfather, and that's the relationship you want us to focus on this whole film. But if she's there and assuages everybody's fears, then actually you don't get that moment of conflict, which is really important for this film. Okay. So, um, she says she has to go away for one short trip. I go, you've got to be kidding me. Is this the so least Is this the least noteworthy family in the history of families? Yeah. Like this is the most white meat boring family there ever was. I kept this, waiting for dad to like, do something interesting, but he didn't. This they is like boiled chicken kind of levels of family. <laughs> yeah, it is. Ethan? It's like none of them have a personality. There's like, oh, the oldest stepson doesn't like Bob. But, you know, that happens all the time. It's not like one of... It's not like they mirror... I thought they'd mirror the dogs. Like, the little small child is an absolute gremlin of a boy. And I thought, like, the girl would be kind of like, oh, you're a gremlin of a boy. And then the older one... To be fair, the oldest kid is kind of like... uh, Ooh, what's what's the old dog called? Shadow. Shadow. He's kind of like Shadow. There's a moment where I'm like, okay, Pete is like a good character and he kind of mimics shadow in a sense but that was it there was like one line um and then i mean first off tell me what the mother does in the whole film i don't think it's much nope <laughs> just, this is not a film for the women in the cast it's not no. she kind of goes oh Ironic. no yeah. the animals oh, oh well <laughs> So they throw a frisbee and Chance goes after it. And you hear Chance's monologue as he chases after the frisbee. I really hope this is what goes through a dog's head when they're chasing anything because I think it's great. And then once again, Bob's going to come by and he has like this, like, I remember when my mom started to date my stepdad. I mean, started to date my stepdad. And there were conversations like, oh, do you like throwing frisbee? And you'd say things like, yeah, throwing a frisbee's okay. 
You go, oh, I like throwing first. And this is like what this guy's having with his stepson. Like, you've already married the mother. Like, this conversation should have happened years ago. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it was like entry level high. I'm meeting you for the first time level of parenting here. He's asked every other personal question. He's like, oh, I forgot the Frisbee. I asked him about what his favorite cereal is, what his deepest, like, emotional moment is. But the Frisbee, (laughs) that's where I'm missing the connection. And then it's almost time to go. And so Peter runs up and he goes up to Shadow, who's a beautiful golden Labrador. Like, when I was a kid, this was my idea of what a dog was supposed to be. Just to hop back to what I said before, guess what kind of dog I wanted when I was a child. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Me too. My, My friends had a golden lab. And I was just in, her name was Katie. And I was just, in, she, oh, we went to the beach once with the two families. And I spent like hours playing with Katie. I just thought this was the greatest day ever. And all I wanted was a goal. So they, they've totally typed, tapped into this archetype. And we hear Shadow's thoughts. Because we know, we know why. This film's dripping in dramatic irony. We know why Peter's sad, but Shadow doesn't. And Shadow says things like, you're sad. I wish I knew why. And then he goes, don't worry, Peter. I'm here to protect you. And you're like, he doesn't know. He's going to be heartbroken. And then we get a point of view shot when they get in the car and we see it through Peter's eyes of the car pulling away. And the music again. And we even see those really ghetto black lines in the back window that cars used to have in like the the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. Like, really pronounced black lines and defrost. Yeah, Yeah, my first car had those. (laughs) (laughs) And so, Ethan, I promised you I was going to come back to this. This is what a film f***ing needs if it's going to be about the reunion of characters. So we... (laughs) The Wild needed a scene like this between Ryan and his father where you got that they cared about one another. went off in a truck and yelled dad <laughs> dad it's your fault don't let him take he went don't let them take me as opposed to uh, going i don't know why you're sad but i love you peter i love you we saw them bond over basketball we saw mutual concern and then we saw the separation and we saw it from one of the character's eyes i properly cried here like emotional and i'm thinking about it now and getting emotional again and i again i don't know if this film was just a catalyst for these emotions that i'm feeling but like (laughs) i I want to go and give my dog a hug yeah maybe i'm just just gonna go give my dog a hug and then chance goes around and we get to see sort of the farm through his eyes now which is important because we needed some comic relief here we really did and we get through michael j fox's chance and he meets various animals he refers to the ducks as bath toys which is um, hilarious. And this is the chance they can get all the lines they want from the trailer. He meets a turkey and calls it Birdzilla. He promises he'll never eat McNuggets again. As Disney just showing off their McDonald's corporation. Partnerships, like, yeah. Uh, partnership so, there, isn't it? So you, you, you're telling me this dog understands what a McNugget is, but not the basic sort of formulation of the English language. Well, I, I mean... Th- I can deal with McNuggets more than I can deal things with, like, woke up on the wrong side of a litter box. Like, how do they know human idioms? <laughs> <laughs> like, they the fact that... They don't. They just happen to be really similar like, to animal I ones. think we have to... <laughs> I think we have to theorize that the language we hear in their heads isn't English as you and I know it, or else the animals should understand what the people are saying for the most part. That did confuse me for a little while until we got to the, I don't know why you're sad, yeah. but I'm here for you, because I went, 
Oh, okay. So he doesn't know no, he what's d- being said. They, they don't, okay. They don't speak the same yeah. language in essence. Um, and so Shadow, though, the whole time that Chance is running around, we keep coming back to Shadow and he's depressed on the front porch. His head is down. And uh, Chance is uh, then decided he's done with people. I don't know what that means. What does it mean he's done with people? Oh, right. So Chance decides to tell everybody what life is really like. They have left us here. They don't care about us. I'm telling you, they abandoned us. And the whole time Shadow's going, my Peter would not do that for me. My Peter would not do that. And when yeah, 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 they would. No, no, he wouldn't. And then we have that great bit where they're having breakfast the next day. And like Ms. Kate, like holds the phone up to the dog's ear. And it's like, <laughs> tell him you love him. The dog's like not interested because. Because I never understand why they do that. I never understand why they do this. Like, what is this supposed to mean? <laughs> and we even cross cut back to uh, um, Peter in San Francisco going, what do you say? Oh, he said he ate sassy. You know, just like neither side really gets anything out of it. I guess the humans kind of get a little bit of yeah. like closure. I like this scene. Which which, I, which one's that? Uh, this is the bit we we're talking about where Peter kind of almost mimics Shadow because there's a bit after like when he makes the joke and then he's like, "Oh, uh, Shadow says 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 Sassy's good and all." And I was like, it was like that was the one part where there was a genuine bit where I went. I like Peter as a character. He yeah. actually like is a good older brother. He yeah. does this, and he's similar to Shadow, and then nothing else. That's really he just becomes a whiny boy. The idea about protecting your family, I think that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, we don't see him do it with his brother much, but we got this moment with his sister. Mm. And then Kate goes to leave, and how cowboy is this jacket? It is brown. <laughs> it is suede, I think, and it has a hell of a lot of fringe. Shake that fringe, yeah. Miss Kate. Shake it. This is very much like where I come from. This was like 1993, go into the country dance at the local arena. That's what that is. <laughs> if you're from Gray County, Ontario, you're going for a dance in your Miss Kate fringy jacket. <laughs> and then they get locked in. And that's enough for Shadow, because when Miss Kate leaves to go take her horses on the, what is it, like, like where was she taking them? A horse show, I taking, think. No, she was taking some horses to move some other animals, I think. Was she taking the horses to get, I, I don't know. That was, the, that was why the animals couldn't come, because they're actually going to be, like, on trails and things like that. Yeah. And uh, there was a note that got written, and it fell on the floor, but right on top half. of another note? I think half of it fell on the floor. I don't know. So I think it was like a two-page note. Maybe it was two-page note. Okay. Page. So anyway, not well done. But anyway. No, uh, I wish you, we kind of knew what the note was supposed to say in its entirety. I think it's important. For the fact that he only reads the second parts, half. Parts of it, sense. yeah. Like, and so Cheryl determines it's time to leave and go home, and off they go. They hop over the fence, and they're on their way. And this point we cross-cut, which I thought was really clever, to Peter in school learning about the local geography, which is great because it tells us where the animals are going to have to go through. This this kind of goes, here's the story. I actually really appreciate that. Why is Peter in school? I thought they were going on holiday. No, no. no, They're going away for his dad's, the stepdad's work. The stepdad's got a place at a university, I think. So then they're going away for quite a long time. For weeks. And the the deal was, we haven't talked about it, but as they're leaving, we find out they can't go back every weekend. It'll be two weeks. And it's been about a week and a bit when, uh, when, when when the phone call home happens. 
I thought they were going on holiday for the honeymoon. This is I why think, I got so confused. Yeah, I, to be fair, I did think at first it was the honeymoon because they don't mm. seem to go on one. Like I'm telling you, this woman has married into it. Like he's yeah. working. If you open with if you open with a wedding and then they all go away, my first thought won't be ah yes. <laughs> He's going to the university. My thought is they're celebrating their marriage. They're doing the honeymoon. I I will agree. I did think they were going away for the honeymoon at first, but it is definitely explained at some point that it's it's yeah, it's true. Because when they first went, when they're having the 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 expositional conversation at the wedding, and he goes, "Think about it. There's no room." I'm like, "Are they taking the kids on the honeymoon? Like that still feels a bit weird." And then I'm like, "No, they're moving. Strange." Um, and then we've got. The top of the mountain. They've made their way to the top of the mountain. They're convinced that the end of this mountain is home. And no, we just get a traveling montage, some raccoons and some skunks. And then we get the idea of I'm going home to save Peter. Because Sassy's done. Sassy wants to go on a bus. (laughs) I love Sassy. She says, this ground isn't nearly soft enough. And I thought she sounded like me on a camping trip. Maybe it's worth having a chat here about Sassy and going... It's difficult because it's the only female cast member uh, in the animals. Therefore, she represents all females. So what do we know about Sassy? Sassy's worried about her waistline because that came up a ton. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's really concerned about her looks. Comfort. Now, is the comfort. Now, it, you can go, well, no, this is the character of Sassy. Or you can go, yes, but she's the only one. So are we making sort of representations here about women? This is just a female cat, isn't it? Like, I wasn't going that deep into it. It's interesting because what do we have? We have the young boy dog acting like young boys do. And we have the old Uh, man dog acting like a kind of hope adult. And we talked about uh, Lisbeth Van Zunen a couple of times ago on, I think it was this podcast. It might have been on our other podcast, Best Film Ever, where we said men and, oh, it was the other one because we were talking about Reference Club. But we said men and women learn what it means to be male and what it means to be female through a long extended process of the media telling us what male behaviors and female behaviors are. And if you really want to make a case uh, against this film on feminist sort of uh, footing, you definitely can, by the way, that Sassy teaches little. It's a movie aimed at little girls and little boys. That is very true. I think I'm looking at it through my own eyes rather than going oh, no, this is what Hang children on. are seeing and You're, what they're being represented, yeah. Everyone's totally critical. Ian, come on. This is just a kid's film. You are reading too much into this. A cat does not hold the weight of raising children on its paws. <laughs> maybe, maybe you should take a pause and not go so <laughs> not go so media theorist well, into this. Yeah, I, I think the fact that she's a cat kind of detracts from that theory a little bit and we could perhaps forgive them for making her such a stereotypical why why couldn't shadow have been the female character why couldn't we have had a strong female lead because they had a himalayan cat and they look girly why couldn't you have two females well i suppose you could have done but they didn't <laughs> there were three in the original don't three men in the original don't forget to be so. Fair, so this is progress yeah. <laughs> and it is in that regard it is but very much progress. i think also though you have got the character of kate who very much like works on the farm and she goes really out like and looks kate. after the animals and stuff so like she's terrible with animals funny. ironically yeah so <laughs> but what we but what we see of her so she's actual, not very responsible <laughs> what we see of her is an actual woman she's clearly an independent woman that fashionable well yeah absolutely yeah. you know she works hard she works hard she she cares about the animals even though she messes it up really badly and 
she is an independent strong woman so i think we've got enough of a actual actual human female role in there although she's a small role to show what women can be okay Uh, and then we get nighttime which is just a bunch of runtime padding bs let's show a picture of a snake let's show a picture of a bear let's show a picture of all the scary things is anything gonna happen no (laughs) i I, I do have a note in here that said we call out 101 donations for having that big segment of just dogs running to different places um and i'd like to just bring that back up as we reach this segment in the film of dogs just running to different places with no real payoff no i was okay that that that, maybe not the nighttime scene but that's that was so much shorter than like the 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 twilight bark (laughs) so so much shorter if i mean it has a better payoff than the twilight bark but like yeah there was still a lot of running with not much dialogue going on there. There was a whole montage of it. <laughs> so the part where um, in the morning, Chance runs into a tree. I believe that was not planned. And so the actors had to ad lib a little bit with some lines <laughs> over what happened there. Uh, and then we've got some time by the river. And we get the idea that they've caught a fish. Sassy has taught them kind of how to get fish out. And Chance gets one, and he throws it, and then two baby bears come, and he scares the baby bears off, but then comes the big bear. Haven't we seen this movie before? Yeah, kind of. This was the same scene from the upper perspective, I guess. <laughs> I would love that. If this is somehow the same universe, and the dogs just kind of came across it. Um, just dogs. In you know, the, you know in how I know it's not the same one? Because I didn't waste the whole bloody day doing it. <laughs> it's like a five-minute part of the film. If you're saying this is the same universe, is this also implying that the little island of Scotland in Brave is actually just, like, one small subset of, like, insane people in, like, Northern America who think they're in Scotland? It's like The Village. (laughs) The M. Night Shyamalan sort of film, The Village. Um, And so here's my question. In, in, In a universe where I'm taught that animals can think and feel and I get to hear their thoughts, am I not supposed to care about the fish? I mean, the dead, very much dead fish that we see these animals eating. Yeah, yeah it's a bit weird. Sure, yeah. But am I supposed to be care? Fair, it's like, like in the back, going back to the wild, like the fish that get eaten at the blooming curling match that they sell yeah. as like hot dogs. And as why? Well. So apparently, fish have no lives in animal-based films. I do think there's a thing where we, we definitely go: mammals are cute and cuddly, hmm. and amphibians are not, and reptiles are not, and that's why we should, you know. Until we see like a film where like the snake is the hero, snakes are cute. I'll fight. Someone. Oh my! You ever fight seen me. a you ever seen a snake like also. big eyes? Snakes are cute. Oh, big eyes and its little tongue sticking out. It like smiles. Hideous. There's this video of a guy like looking Hideous. at a lollipop and he gives it to his snake and the snake gives it a little lick too. And I I'm got, like, that's friendship. I got three words for you: <laughs> Garden of Eden. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> So, he just wanted his friends to have a little snack. <laughs> Apples are great. Uh, we, <laughs> we go ahead. It's time to cross the river. And Sassy gets some more of her lines from the the trailer here. And the most one is, I prefer the dry look. Because the dogs are swimming across. And, and Donamichi is shadow. Come on, Shad. Come on, Sassy. It's not that bad. And she determines she can find a better place for it. Um, they go down river. She goes across some fallen um, trees. One of them, the bow breaks, wood breaking spontaneously will be a thing in this movie. Yeah. And I've got poor cat. And I was not expecting the cat to go over the falls. 
No, I, I put in my notes, like, really cynically, the cat survives this. And then, like, ten minutes later, I had to go... Like, I wrote, wrote like, my in my own, like, little narration of this film going, or did she? Where has the cat gone? <laughs> Have they actually killed this cat? Like, it was... From she this was just scene, disappeared. This scene led me to a 35-minute deep dive on the internet while I was still watching the film of like three different websites about animal cruelty in these films and there's nothing that says there was any animal deaths or cruelty on this yeah, film there's, and that's there's even a note at the end of the film isn't there saying that it was all done in association with an animal protection thing and they made sure that it was all safe yeah so i found some information on this um they used a bunch of cats for this scene no cat was in the water for more than eight seconds uh, they were all harnessed up, and there were four people at all times underwater to ensure that the cat was okay. So, so I just assumed they used an animatronic cat. Like it would have been a lot easier. <laughs> and when the real cat was used, it was not in a river, but in a heated pool. So there's like they really went above and beyond to make sure that if there was a real animal, it was being treated ultimately humanely and i think that speaks to probably the way that animal practices probably were back in the day on previous generations in previous films even uh, now oh what do you mean like it's gotten wor- it's, it's gone bad again uh a little bit i i mentioned the dog's purpose uh, a while ago but that had three dog deaths as far as i know and when i was looking into this it gave like several films that i was expecting one of them would be uh uh, uh Homeward Bound that had like animal deaths and it was uh, this had a gleaming record they were comparing Homeward Bound to films where the animals had died in very stupid circumstances that shouldn't have happened they were like they threw a cat in a river in Homeward Bound and it survived in Lord of the Rings they killed 18 horses by accident I was like not Lord of the Rings uh, the Hobbit yeah Oh my gosh. Um, which is wild because this one the singular biggest information I can find on anything was this scene like super, one. super detailed. Uh, and basically they just release the cat to another person and they both have them on harnesses and the cat's always okay. But they do let us wait and go, is Sassy alive or not? And for a while they let you think Sassy's died. Mm. Which is quite dark, I thought, for a Disney film. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get Shadow kind of has a conversation with... Um, chance and he talks about what it means to be a dog and what it means to take care of someone and the meaning of man's best friend and the penny drops and you hear shadow go sorry you hear chance go i just wish one day i could be like him and the idea that he used to just put him down because he was old and he was an old timer and that 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 and goes no this guy's actually got it figured out and i want to be more like that So then um, we cut to Georgia getting emotional again. Yeah. And then we cut to a bird watcher who finds Sassy. And Sassy, I think she's mumbling shadow when she's found. Which is she's, she mumbles both of their names. Yeah, which yeah. is wild. And uh when they first find the cat, the shot of the cat when it's laying in the water, that's a that's a fake cat. And when they pick up the cat, then it's sort of the real cat. And now it's been sprayed with warm water. And they made sure to let you know this only took two takes. They did not make the cat um, uncomfortable in any tangible way. I mean, 
mean, some cats like water anyway. I shouldn't imagine Himalayan cats do because of their fur, but yeah. there are cats that they probably used for the river scene and stuff and that don't mind being wet. It is interesting that for this film, they chose longer-coated breeds because they are cuter and cuddlier. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what you think about. You think about them being a little bit more accessible, a little bit more lovable. Sassy's I'm sorry, very saying cat. my Pippin isn't lovable. He's got, yes. lo- he's got longer hair. He's quite long-haired. No, he hasn't. He's a short-haired, smooth-haired collie. Well, he's smooth, but he's not... I don't know. See, my dog mimics me, and we both have like way too long hair for yeah, what yeah. we should have currently. <laughs> and then we cut to... Uh, we need some more humor. So we're going to have Chance being taught how to hunt by Shadow. Because Chance is the guy who kind of like can't help but bark. Like He's like Cruella de Vil. Like I'm gonna honk, I'm gonna honk like my car horn, which probably does more to like help my enemies than it does to help me. But okay, and so um, we get to a line about you know I hate fast food and all that sort of stuff, and then he's trying to uh, he says, "Well, Sassy can do this. How hard can it be? Because he's gonna get him food because they're both starving." And a lobster like clips him on the lip. And the lobster is on this invisible muzzle. I looked this up too. And so the dog playing chance wasn't any discomfort there either. And so uh, then we have Miss Gale. And Miss Gale phones the woodsman. Uh, She somehow has it figured out that uh, I'm going to phone everybody and we'll find out what's gone wrong. And there's like a bunch of ribbons behind Miss Gale. Uh, is that her name, Miss Gail? Miss Kate, isn't it? Miss Kate, Miss Kate. Miss Kate. Miss yeah. Kate. And um, she's got lots of ribbons, and this is very much like like the local county fair. Like in my, we 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 had a fall fair every September in my old hometown, and they would give out ribbons for all sorts of things, and people would put them on bulletin boards, and it was very much <laughs> like that. And then we have a cut to Peter. And Bob, and they're talking about whose fault it is that the animals have run away. And Peter, I've got in my notes, Peter is not a good actor. I'm not Nor. saying the script is that good, but he's very much not helping it. He's making it worse. I mean, who 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 is at fault here? Because it's not it's not Bob. It's it's a mix between uh, Kate and. Neighbor boy, it's not, na- but it's not na- neighbor they boy shows planes. up. Okay, even if neighbor boy shows up and figures out they're lost, what was he supposed to do at that point? They've been gone for like twenty four hours. That's true. He should have showed up earlier. <laughs> no, name. he shows up. She's already gone. He's, he should have shown up before she left, so oh, she can be that's like. That's not his fault. His name's Frank. Frank, I like neighbor boy. Uh, <laughs> I think it's Miss Kate's fault. As much as I like Miss Kate as an actress, I think it's her fault. Mm. So, um, and then we cut to Bob. He's at work because uh, I have a new computer, and I thought, oh, Bob's got a new computer for 1993. <laughs> and he goes, oh, wait, hang on, it must be old because it's like a dot matrix printer. And he calls it a Stone Age piece of junk. And I'm like, dude, you have no idea how right you are with that because <laughs> that thing is like old. I found what I was found it like? an old 90s PC, the same one from this. And oh, they they they're so they're so slow. What was it like for it's you like looking brick. at these sorts of screens and the dot matrix printing, like those square sort of like blocks across a page? And it was like the thinnest paper. It wasn't like like, <laughs> like paper like you're used to. It was barely. No, I- 
I remember that paper. Oh, it's so bad. The printing was slightly better than when I can remember oh, it. it? Okay. It was weirdly nostalgic. Nostalgic for a time I never got to experience. Well, no, we had all, all the all the awful nineties tech that Did like it? would always break and only play like maybe four video games properly. I remember aspiring to have gear like that. I remember when that was the dream. <laughs> Uh, uh, and this is where we find out we cross cut that Sassy is improving and she's being cared for by this bird watcher who's a nice guy isn't he I like him this although I do have a bit of a problem with the cat because she hears the other dogs doesn't she the two dogs well, eventually, and it's like yeah. eventually yeah and it's like Oh, I've got to go. I've got to go find them. And then they're like, "Oh, we've got to go and get help." And this, that, and the other. But she does. She could have just led them back to this bird watching man for help. Yeah. Because they could have been that far away. Like, what? Why does she not do that? That, that was one of my biggest gripes with the film. But speaking about one of my biggest gripes question. with the film, they run into a mountain lion. And uh, this is where the two dogs run away and they start going, we're not going to tell anybody we're running away from a cat, are we? And Shadow goes, I won't tell if you won't. But then one of the things that dates this movie terribly is Chance, as voiced by Michael J. Fox, calls the mountain lion Arnold Schwartz a kitty. Oh. As I looked up reviews for this film, this was, they went, oh, it's so funny. At one point, they even called Arnold Schwartz a kitty. And I'm like, Oh, this is one of those things that goes... I mean, thank God Arnold Schwarzenegger had at least a 30-year career. I mean, it's not as badly dated as it could have been if they mm-hmm. went with someone else. But I'm still going... Like, if they went with Mr. T or something like that, like that would have been dreadful. <laughs> what but, I want in my, in my kids' films is having the main character reference the, move, the, the lead actor of the hit film Twins for no reason. It doesn't make sense to the, it doesn't make sense to the pun either. No, I guess it was just he's really big. I guess it's about it. But are you actually telling me that Michael J. Fox is the main character in this film? Let's let's come back to that. Oh no, might... I was uh, I was saying oh, that Arnold right? Schwarzenegger was was the lead character of Twins. Yeah, but you said I want the lead character talking oh. about the lead character. You might be right. You might not. Um, and then we see they bring back the seesaw catapult move. And why can't we hear the thoughts of these other animals? It was like the wild again. I'm like you're. <laughs> So is it just domesticated animals that we can hear their thoughts? Because the dog and the cat can talk to each other. So they obviously have some sort of a shared language between dogs and cats. But it doesn't extend to wild cats? What's the deal here? Domesticated animals And also it's not human. Mm. Like, so... Because it would make sense that if it was human, because the domesticated animals obviously learned it from humans. That makes sense. And we kind of get that, in essence, when you get... Chase is running around, Chance, sorry, is running around going, sit, sit, stay, stay. And that's funny because they're obviously words he's learnt from human language, but then we get that they don't understand the humans and it's all a bit bleh, 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 kind of we'll, we'll pick and choose which elements we want to go with this. That's actually really interesting. I do want to touch back. I'm going way back, but it's important you brought it up. Um, when they have the separation at first between Peter and Shadow and Peter tells him to stay, and you hear Shadow going, and he wants to move, and he goes, no, no, stay. And he's reminding himself about what his instruction was, and those few shared words of a language that humans, and, and, and in this case, the dogs, do share. So sad. Yeah. Re- really powerful. Um, and this was kind of a storytelling um, technique this film had, was we sort of had 
the animals walk into little mini scenes with random humans and they move on to the next step in their journey. Uh, but before we do that, we have a reunion between, uh, sorry, we, we return back to the, to the Arnold Schwarzer kitty first. And they discover that there's sort of got a little bit of a, a log or something that's like a seesaw. It's a rock. So it's Shadow is going to act as bait for the cat. At which point, Chance, who's the far lighter dog of the two, is going to <laughs> jump from a great height and launch a mountain lion who's got to be four times the weight of either animal into space. But has also got to move this rock with enough momentum that it yeah. would do that without just landing on it and breaking his legs because you can't actually move a rock like yeah, that. I've just got written down my notes. This is not how physics works. <laughs> I, I... This is the floor you have in legs. the film. Sorry? This is the floor you have in the film. This is the, this yeah, one part. the singular flaw I have in this film. Um, and then we go to a reunion and then they go to go fishing some more and Chance has not learned his lesson and he messes with a porcupine and he gets a bunch of quills in his face, God bless him Uh, again, fake quills fake wounds, they didn't really jam I I, I thought this was a bit insulting, I'm like, no, they didn't actually jam sharp points into a dog's face but I guess if I was making this it was quite obvious that it was latex wasn't it, bless it, but even so I thought that the dog did really well to have that he did do really well have that on his face and then we, i would i mean i don't like that shit anyway and then we cut to a police station there's this most 1988 version of what a criminal must look like being taken away he's a skinny guy <laughs> in a white vest top but he's got like a multicolored mohawk and he's like resisting a, i don't mean like a like i mean like big old spikes coming out of his head and he's resisting arrest like he's got away like nine stone if if anything and uh, I think in the background, if you look carefully, I think they're taking a hooker away for questioning. <laughs> I do. There's some woman who's dressed in a rather provocative manner being led away by cops. They don't say you're a hooker because it's a kid's movie. But I think we're all looking at it going, that's a hooker. So, <laughs> And so the, Peter wants a missing persons report on the dog. And we play the pronoun game for a while. And then we go, oh, it's dogs. Why don't you try making some signs up? And for some reason, Peter's like, that's a great idea. Like, he needed the cop to tell him signs. No, but what happens before this? Well, what happens before this? Is, like, the the cop almost snaps at him. He's like, (laughs) how dare you take away from police business? Blah, blah, blah. This is, this is, this is, uh, 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 you're a stupid little kid. Go go back to preschool, dummy. And the kid's like, but my dogs, I love my dogs so much. And And he's like, like, oh, well, if that's the case. (laughs) Maybe you should put some signs up, because I hope for the best for you, even though I just called you a dumb little baby boy, but but good luck. Good luck, because we've got hookers and mohawks to put away. (laughs) That's a cool band. Hookers Hookers and mohawks. mohawks. (laughs) That'll be our next... Sounds like a good cocktail, actually. That'll be our next podcast, (laughs) hookers and mohawks. (laughs) Um, So then we've got... A cut now, and we're back to the animals, and there's a lost little girl who Shadow finds. And remember, Shadow's about protecting... And he finds this uh, little girl, and she's afraid Molly. of him. Sorry? Molly. Molly. And she's afraid of him. And he walks up to her, and he gives her his paw, and he says, in his own mind, he goes, good dog. And I'm like, oh, you are a good dog, Shadow. And gives her a paw. 
And then eventually the parents come out on a search committee and he goes, woof, woof, woof. And it takes way too long for the parents to maybe go, maybe we should follow this. Like if I'm looking for my lost child, I will look for the brightest sign of anything. You know what I mean? Also, how does this child get lost in the wilderness overnight in the first place? Like that's what the guy with the mohawk was doing. He Bad kidnapped parenting. her, and they, they they caught him and didn't catch, the, didn't find the kid. Um, can I just say, anybody who works for the forest department in this film were the worst fucking actors I've ever seen. Like it was like who did what was this, the guy's name again? Dwayne Dulock. Like who did he owe money to? Because there were some truly terrible actors in this film. Oh my gosh, these are the animals from the flyer. Oh my, wow, do you remember the flyer we got? This is them. Surprised face. Oh, am I supposed to say that? That's in brackets. And they talk about, I forget what word it was, but the dogs clicked on it. And I said it would make some word, it makes sense that some words would be, um, would be transferable. I think they might say, let's get these dogs home. And they went home. And I, I think it would make sense that some words would be transferable. And they found the pets. And there's this terrible montage of everybody finding out the pets are okay. Like I'm like, you are setting yourself up for the world's biggest, oh my word, this is bad. The bit with the pumpkin is really cute. Yeah. But like the whole family out. just like burst into the school and says, we found them. He drops the like, today. You're not getting past the front door. Like you're gonna sign him with like nine people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to see that they do the whole sign. Is like, oh, thank you. Uh, come on, come on, come in. Thank you for letting me through. We found them. Yay! <laughs> let me so let me let me door. just return my visitor's badge and sign the nine pieces of documentation I have to get <laughs> before security lets me out the doors. Um, and then we have. The animals, of course, don't realize they're being taken to the pound to help clean up. They think in, in moments it comes to them that Chase is right. Chance is right. And um, Georgia, do you call them Chase? Is that where I've picked this up yeah. from? Yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah, sorry. So Chance is right. <laughs> and, and like they put us in jail. And so this is where they lock up Chance. Or is it Shadow? They lock up Shadow and Sassy gets away. And this is where we get our Mission Impossible music. And I was like... Oh, I hated this. Oh, I really liked this. I've seen they too got... many films in the 2000s where they went, Oh, what music do we put in? Slightly altered Mission Impossible This music. wasn't altered, though. Like... This was legit. And I think it's because they didn't think for a moment they would rebirth... They were, like, it wasn't until, like, 98 they, like, relaunched the franchise with Tom Cruise. So this is a dead, a dead piece of music. So, let, yeah, let's make 50 bucks off it. Let's sell them the rights to it. Because reboots weren't really a thing yet. Mission Impossible was one of the first ones to really do it. Oh, yeah. I forgot Mission Impossible was technically a reboot. Yeah, it was. It was a TV show for years. I always forget that. Yeah. And so how different is this movie if you have mobile phones? So different. different. Because as the animals (laughs) escape the pound... Like, as they're running away one direction, we have the family go, da 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 Oh, what are you going to do? Oh, I'm going to hug him so much. And I'm like, this is not fair, movie. This is not fair. If and this was set now, there'd be, it would be a 10-minute movie because all that would happen, Pete would make a sad TikTok about how his dog's missing and, like, maybe 2 million people would start <laughs> finding it. Boom, internet campaign. You found your dog. 
Yeah. And the parents would have went and gotten the dog and said, We will give you we will give you like like an Instagram feed when we get the dog. We don't all need to go. <laughs> we'll just go ahead and we'll like live stream this stuff for you. Go home. Um and Shadow stops as they're running away and says, I got a funny feeling. And he ignores it because oh. the movie's got a movie. And then there's a montage number two. And I don't know about you. I thought everybody takes the dogs being missing fairly well. Am I wrong? Like, what, oh, when they escape the thing. They go, oh, they're gone. Okay. They're at home. You know, I if they're missing. They- because least they know well they do say at least they know they're alive like that's pretty impressive for some dogs to have gotten through there because they were basically told that they're all dead well bob takes it well and shakes the hand and i'm like wait like you guys are incompetent at your Mm -hmm. job like you had all three of them and somehow you lost all three of them not in one go separately (laughs) yeah i did think that bob's reaction with them was a little bit too polite yeah a dog goes missing you find it cool it was missing from one location. It disappears from the secondary location. I'm taking some advice from J.J. Bittenbinder, the, the, the chief of police of homo- child homicide in Chicago. You, you go to a secondary location, that dog's, you're not going to find it. If it goes missing from where it already was found, you're not going to find the dog. You'd be living. I think you would be. I drove all the way out here with my kids who have been living and dying with this. And you've lost... Let me shake your hand. Thank you for all your heart. And I don't know who it your was. Job, your job is to look after animals. It wasn't the vet. The vet had an assistant who I've seen in stuff before. I couldn't get his name down. He was the best, maybe, human actor in this whole film. And he was just the vet's <laughs> assistant. Um, and so they get... Finally, they side of the mountains. And we look down. And they're like, oh, we're almost home. And I guess there's only one town? I guess? <laughs> It's um, just a film set. Yeah. And then we have some train tracks, which links in nicely to what Chance was saying at the start. And they say, we should be home after dark. And I'm thinking, well, I've heard that before. And then Sassy goes, I've heard that before. I'm going, Sassy should host a podcast. <laughs> um, and then out of nowhere, Shadow falls into a pit. He fell into oh, the pit. I fell into the pit. (laughs) But that nearly is funny because they play this for for everything that's worth. And it made sense because the other two had each had a setback or an injury to this point. So we didn't make sure Shadow has one. But Shadow can't make it up. And it's very bing bong. Yeah. It's very bing bong. What does that mean? Bing bong from inside out. Yeah, like he keeps trying to get up the side and he can't do it. Oh, and he finally goes leave without me, and I'm like, oh shoot! And he goes, no, no, you've learned ch- chance, you've learned everything you need to learn, except for how to say goodbye. And I'm like, this is not. F-. I'm going in my head. I'm going, like, like, access the recess of my brain. Does he make it home? Does he make it home? I'm like, I'm going, no, you, you can't do this film without. No, you have to have Peter and and Shadow. That's the, that's the ending you want. You can't take <laughs> this away. But I'm like really negotiating myself here. And then Shadow gives up, and Chance gets into the pit with him. He got into the pit with him, right? He fell into, into the, the pit. pit. <laughs> and I'm going, like, like, what? So I guess Chance can get out really easily, I suppose. But let me make this time to mention Shadow is filthy at this point. Uh-huh. Now, I should mention, the yes. notes did tell us. That it, the, when it breaks, the dog disappears and lands literally like 12 inches below on a platform. The shot we see is of a fake dog 
landing into the into the pit and then we cut to <laughs> the dog actually in the pit um and then we cut to the family playing basketball outside hopefully bob's teaching peter how to not to double dribble uh and as they go they go come on he goes oh we should go inside he goes she goes come on daddy and then they all like stop and the boy goes yeah come on dad now as someone who has a stepfather my sister and i both have to have a decision do we go ahead and use the word dad or do we not use the word dad now my dad had died so that word held a little bit more i don't know if it's more or less power or what it is but my sister went ahead and used it and then i was like oh shoot the pressure's on me to use it and so i kind of dug my heels in and went i'm not in uh, i love my stepdad uh i call him bob i don't call him dad uh, he's very much a father to me. Hey, this is going to be out slightly after Father's Day, so he's not listening to this. But happy Father's <laughs> Day, Bob. <laughs> I would love it if he went, yeah, I'm really into podcasts. That's so <laughs> not happening. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so there, there is that thing. But this was the most like, oh, what happened? Oh, both kids just called me dad. What about the youngest one? I'll get that little bastard. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, and then all of a sudden you have, woof. What was that? And they look around and it's Chance. And Chance comes up and he's kind of, there, Jamie, 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 Chance, 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 Jamie. Oh, I missed you. Oh, I missed you, Jamie. And then over the hill comes sassy because they've staged themselves they went let's each have our own window <laughs> and so sassy goes ahead and she comes gotta across build the suspense guys gotta have build a the meeting suspense. over the hill going guys guys this is how it works <laughs> oh really yeah okay i was just showing a stat that says the little boy apparently is actually Jake. bob's kid <laughs> oh of both parents or just of bob Oh, I don't know. I just take a look. The, um, the thing. But yeah, that's, that's, that's what I thought. But I just wanted to check it before. Well, I, I don't think we. I don't think he was. He's calling not, up he's not the one that calls him. It. He's not the one that calls him dad. That explains that. why we don't give him a moment. But that wasn't clear, was it? Well, the, I, I, that's why I, mean, I looked because I, I thought that. Was I okay. assumed that the youngest was both, from both parents. In nineteen ninety, yeah. I mean nineteen ninety three. That's pretty progressive for Disney to do that when you have the American South is still a thing. <laughs> that's true yeah. yeah no i mean again i'm watching it through this year's eyes doesn't yeah. say okay this is the this is the homewardbound.fandom.com and it's like the the what, wiki all, for all like six lines of it and it literally <laughs> just says jamie seaver is the only child and son of bob seaver his pet is chance and he is very fond of him i doesn't think anything about the mom. i think he's got to be from a different marriage maybe i think because they didn't say of both if you look at the other kids i bet you it says it explains why Peter doesn't care as much for him as he does for his sister. That would make sense. Sure. And okay, in this other article I've just found, it says that he is his stepson. So who even knows? If you happen to know, is it what's you the kid's name? Us. Jamie Seaver? Jamie, yeah. Jamie Seaver. If you're the actor who played Jamie Seaver, do you know? We would love to. If someone could track this down, there's a challenge for anybody listening. If you can track down Jamie Seaver, who is played by, I have his name written down here somewhere, <laughs> who is played by... Kevin Chevalier, Kevin Chevalier, if you can find out from him, who exactly does he belong to in this film? Because I don't know. Anyway. He came uh, with a dog. He came with a dog. <laughs> Shut up on set. Um, 
And then finally, over the hill, with a limp, comes Shadow. Now, this is where I'm going. They had to have planned this out, like a, like a trio of absolutely sadomasochistic so-and-sos. Because <laughs> if they're going otherwise, it means that chances to go, forget the crippled dog, I'm rushing ahead. And Sassy went, forget how they saved my life, I'm rushing ahead too. And Shadow went, I'll just go behind. That's not how it works. That was a really good Eeyore impression, by the way. <laughs> oh, dear. But anyway, he limps <laughs> over the hump, and then Peter, of course, was ready to give up because they left just enough time for you to think, Shadow's not coming back. And Peter goes to go in the house. He says Shadow was too old. Shadow was, was I guess he too was too old. old. And it was like, like really unbelievable. I guess he was just too old. Like, shut up, kid. You are not thinking this. <laughs> And then they come over, and we don't hear much from Peter. We just hear a lot of Don Amici's shadow. And he's got, in the first line, an I am, without any hesitation, i got no issues admitting this, I was absolutely bawling at this point. And he yeah. says, I was so worried about you. This is from the dog to, I'm getting emotional just talking about it, but <laughs> I was so worried about you. I missed you, Peter, and I love you. And I'm going... Damn, that's good. It's so lovely, isn't it? This is everything that Ryan and Samson were supposed to be. Like this, See, maybe, not, was... maybe not truly, but this shows it's not that hard to write this. Is it? No, I mean, I realized that I was going to be sobbing as soon as this dog starts coming over the hill. And I actually filmed it. I filmed my reaction to the end of this film. Um, and so I have, <laughs> have currently playing it in front of me, a video of me like, bawling my eyes out to the end of this film yeah. like i'm properly broken nah, by it i was and just kind of yeah. going oh, okay this is not okay yeah do i have no heart did you not cry in I, this film i felt no emotion during this film <laughs> oh my god i think i might be a robot man you might be. i have no soul you might be <laughs> uh should the uh, and, and this and the movie pretty much ends as soon as this is over we get the idea they've come back to their regular home. The Seavers have moved back to undescript location, California, away from, <laughs> away from the evil San Francisco. Um, and this is where they're going to be. And they're a family now. And they're going to call Bob dad. And he's going to button up the rest of his shirt. And they're going to play basketball <laughs> by the proper rules. You get this lovely little end narration. From oh, that's true. Yes, yes, well. yes. Um, and he says that Shadow was like a puppy again. And that he, as in Chance, had finally found a family. And it says, at last, for the first time in my life, I was home. Yeah, that's good. And it's beautiful. And you think that that's how the film is ending. And you expect the lights to kind of go down on it all. And then he goes, turkey, 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 turkey. Yeah, because he's he's still got to be Chance, doesn't he? I enjoyed that. Should they have shown a shadow getting out of the hole? No, because you no. don't. No, no, because it added more to the end. You Absolutely. like. I don't think I get quite as emotional if I know he gets out of the hole. Okay. Like when the others are coming over the hill. Okay, fair enough. But then I have to ask the following: As you're sending us videos during the podcast, I was sending you the videos you're talking about. Like, who's messaging me? Oh wait, that's Georgia to the whole group. <laughs> Literally, literally everybody who is on this podcast currently. It's a whole minute of George crying. Here's my question then. If you're not going to show Shadow getting out of the hole, do you have to explain how he gets clean? 
I have got he just went through the river and mine. I missed you. And I had a shower. <laughs> I love you. How much more fun is it if like Peter's just completely filthy by the end of this? <laughs> just sm- there's like two little like eye holes and the rest of it is just mud. Well he wasn't clean. Oh he was he, oh, he, he was pretty he muddy, was pretty though. clean when he got over that hill. There wasn't really any reason why. If you have have a long-haired dog like that, and it falls into the pit, I mean, this dog, (laughs) the pit. I mean, this dog is absolutely going to be matted down with crap. Like that is like he would come over the hill. You'd go, "What is that?" (laughs) It would be hot shadow. It would be, (laughs) but it's going to be. What is that? I am scared of that. Not let me. I have missed you. I don't care if you've missed me. Stay away. <laughs> Whose story is it? And I got, I'm sorry for all you sassy fans. It's not hers. But you could very easily make a case that it's Shadow's story. You could very easily make a case that it's um, Chance's um, story. Well, I think it's... Well, I want to say chance because like it's all said in american but my brain is going chance mm-hmm. um like it's he's he tells it he narrates the story yeah, but it doesn't necessarily means it's mean it's about him it's kind of about i mean it's his his journey with shadow into finding how to be a like how to have a family so i guess i don't know I don't know. Can it be joint? Does it have to be one? I don't think it has to be one. I'm Bob, making a new rule. This is why we have conversations. This is the fun part. It's not about... Ethan, what were you saying? I'm saying Bob. It's Bob's because... story. <laughs> because this film is a whole metaphor for the excruciating journey that the stepdad takes to try and become one with the family. But yes. No, I have no heart. I, 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 no, I'm with you. I can totally. No, yeah, keep going. You could totally. You could, to- you could totally have that as a case. It sounds like so, a credible essay, but I, I hadn't considered that it might be a metaphor for what's going on with a stepfather and the journey to be accepted. Neither did because I you, until you I do. said it ten seconds. That was good. <laughs> that was really, really good. Own that. Run you, that. No, there are. There genuinely are bits yeah. that you see that because you get him doing the posters for them without telling him because he doesn't want to let him down in case it doesn't work and like no, there's gen- definitely. Like, and he almost misses a big meeting because he's so worked up about the dogs because he realizes he's upset Peter. Or he's just like me and I forget I have meetings. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. But that's not the point. That doesn't help with my argument here. <laughs> Ellie. Um, I would argue that the incredible journey is Chance's incredible journey and his learning to accept that these are his family and that there are people that care. And yeah, his like emotional path okay the correct answer is that you're all wrong and that the incredible journey is um it shadows and you could even argue it's peter's journey and um because this is a story about a boy and his dog without question this is a story about a boy and his dog and the two characters whose innermost feelings we get a little bit from michael j fox fair enough as chance Mm. but as far as a relationship goes we get peter talking about shadow we get shadow talking about peter and what they both mean to each other and the role they both play for each other and i'm going to piggyback a little bit off ethan's thought uh sort of and then i'm going and at the same time we see that happening we also see peter trying to figure out how he should feel about bob Mm. 
and struggling with you're not my father. You're the guy who made my dog go away. But remember, when he says dad, he says dad to Bob before Shadow shows back up. So even though on some level he might even blame him for his dog going away, he sees a need that Bob fills and that Bob is a good man. And so more than anybody, maybe the correct answer is it's actually Peter's incredible journey. Aww. But of the animals, it's definitely definitely shadows in my perspective. I mean, I understand the whole idea. It's, the movie starts with a narration by chance, ends with chance. I'm not going to argue with you. Absolutely, he's got an arc. He's got a bigger arc. I mean, even Sassy has an arc in this film, actually. Because she goes from hating Chance. It's subtle. She goes from hating Chance to seeing the value of him and seeing the value of Shadow. And rather than being independent, she buys a bit more into the family dynamic. Because it was three animals who were into three three humans. And they had their individual relationships, but they didn't really engage that much with each other. And we see that change throughout the film. So, I got a couple of questions. Let's start with best character or best performance of an animal character? I really like Sassy. Um, I, just, I just think she's really... Well, she's sassy, isn't she? She's got all the best um, lines. She's, yeah, she's got the little quips, like when she's um, strutting along the, the pound, she goes, really, cat calls? Um, and that kind of stuff. And I just think she's really funny. And like I said, I just relate to her. It's, it's just, she's just like me on a camping trip. I would hope that they actually made the humans come out to the set and like walk through the scenes. It's a Sally feeling to be like walking really cat calls, <laughs> but some, somehow I doubt that happened. Georgia. Um, I think the most accurate portrayal of a dog is definitely shadow. By like Donna is... Michi. Although, although then you kind of go actually when, no, when one, because I hate saying chance and chance sounds wrong. Um, is chasing that frisbee, on, and when he's running after the chickens, I'm going, no, that's exactly what Pippin's doing, like in his head as well. So, like, it's a puppy, isn't it? I don't know. I think different... there's. Sorry, what was that? It's because he's a puppy, so they're just two very different kind of lives, not lifespans, life, two different points in the life of a dog. I think. And I guess it's that even ever. I mean, we even said at the end when when um, Chance is. Tr- uh, the whole I mean, shadow is trying to talk chance into growing up but in the same breath we also have a bit where chance says he was like a puppy again and we have that idea of a duality of and every dog at one point is going to be like a puppy and going to be like an older more calm dog and uh neither one's wrong they're just different stations in the journey pippy's going through both at the moment and it makes me emotional <laughs> ethan best animal performance Oh god, um, I'm going sassy because I really like cats and it's a really cute cat. <laughs> she has this little moment where she's like, she's sort of like strutting and her legs are still a little bit stubby and she's just like, woo, 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 woo. Yes. it's like a little really like cute toddler march and I, I was like, this is the part of the movie that I like and I choose that for my favourite part, whenever sassy walks in her stubby little baby legs. <laughs> I'm not going to hedge. I thought I was going to say Michael J. Fox, foot down, Canada represent. It's Don Amici as Shadow. Um, the genuine heart. And playing and seeing the lines. And he could have gone, I'm going to hold back. I'm going to. And he went, no, the right way to play this is to do it genuine, heartfelt. Forget people being cynical. Forget what. It, 
this is what this part needs. And this movie isn't half of what it was. If Don Amici doesn't play Shadow the way he plays him. Because this movie is built around me bawling my eyes out when Shadow comes over the top. And Don Amici of every point was setting me up for that finale. So he is my vote. Best Actually, yeah. He got me right at the beginning as well yeah. with saying bye and saying, I'm, I'm actually getting a bit emotional. <laughs> <laughs> uh, best, what is wrong with me? Best character or performance by a human. And it might be the Ethan robot pretending it is a human. But what is, who is your favorite human actor in this film? The You're not allowed to say on. the mom because I don't know what she did. Human roles just aren't as big, are they? I mean, definitely not the park rangers. Um, I mean, you were all hating on Peter, but I I quite liked him actually. But maybe I just liked his. Um, I like the fight. Maybe I just liked that sort of his storyline rather than his yeah. acting. I don't know, but I don't really think there's enough of the humans to really. I didn't. I didn't really form an opinion about them in uh, that, that much of a way. Georgia. I mean, I just thought the little kid Jamie. I thought he was really cute, um, and the little bits that he does do are really sweet but again that isn't acting and that's just a cute kid being cute on camera um so i don't know if that can really count as a good acting performance but i thought he was really cute and probably is he my answer i don't know i liked miss kate as well she was good but i don't know okay um i know i really no tell you who i really did like and he's only in it for two seconds. The guy that rescues Sassy. I really liked oh, him. He fair. was really sweet and genuine. I liked him. Ethan. I really liked the cop who started eyes. You're a stupid little kid. You're really <laughs> dumb. You're really dumb. You've never seen your dogs. Maybe if you put a little uh, sticky note on, on a wall, you'll find them. Good luck anyway. Bye-bye. <laughs> I just like the complete change in, like, character within like a split second the second the child started crying and he realized he'd made a mistake uh i'm gonna give an honorable mention to um skinhead mohawk number one (laughs) (laughs) i got that he really didn't want to be in that cop station uh number two would be the vet's assistant who really was good he really really was but there wasn't enough of him i'm gonna go miss kate i liked miss kate I thought, okay, here comes a token. I cared way more about Miss Kate than any other character, maybe except for Peter. Maybe except for Peter. And that's just the script told me I had to care about Peter. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's because Shadow told me I had to care about Peter. (laughs) No one told me I had to care about Miss Kate. And I did. Her and her ridiculous fringe, uh, that that jacket as well deserves an honorable mention because that was uh, quite the performance. That was acting in its own right. Yes. I actually, now you've said that, I found one, actually, I quite appreciated the stepdad. I quite like Bob. You do? Like, he doesn't, like, if you play that wrong, if you come across as, like, a vindictive stepfather or as, like, a, yeah. someone who's just, who doesn't actually care about these, the children or the animals, then it could be a very different film. Um, so I think, on yeah. to him. Maybe we haven't talked about that character enough. I mean, that's a bit, of, I mean, it's a bit of a trope, but the idea about what do you do as the stepfather? How hard do you push? How hard do you try to get to know the kids? And this guy, bless him, he was trying. He was trying. He was trying his hardest in every situation to do the right thing. Try both of mine. Yeah, um, it's. I mean, you could argue is it believable? I. I mean, I don't think so. I think it's Disneyfied. But mm. uh, he sure did try. And uh, we even we kind of glossed over the bit where the where the little boy wants to put up signs. He just happens to find a sign. He goes, <laughs> where did this come from? 
Bob made it. Well, why did that? Well, to be honest, I think he was kind of upset with the way you spoke to him. Oh, I wish I hadn't because he's made signs. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, is there a best moment scene bit that jumps out at you? Something that kind of you want to touch one more base on? It's got to be the ending, hasn't it? The the bit when Shadow comes over, over the crest of the hill. Like, it, it just makes me blow my eyes out and... It's just beautiful. Okay. I don't think any more, any more needs to be said, really. We've all, apart from Ethan, we've all had very strong emotions to it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tweak on that a little bit, but Georgia, do you have anything else? Um, uh, that one, but when they leave that first time, okay. when, when they get in the car and they go, they think that that's it, like that they've been left. And it's just, it's just really sad. I can't imagine having to leave Pippin like that. Like, that'd be horrible. Ethan? And I, I just, oh, sorry. It's just sad. Ethan? I'm really blanking and I feel really bad. Uh, I, 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 I like the... I'm going to say again, I like the police bit. I just found it very entertaining. Uh, actually, no, no, no. No, the stupidity of the, uh, of, of the wildcat. That was just so weird. It kind of just made me giggle. Uh, I'm going to go with, and I think I'm sort of piggybacking on a few people's ideas, but uh, Carolyn Thompson and Linda Wolverton, um, along with the director, Duane, um, they they got the tonal shifts the film had to have. At what moments did the film need to pull which, which strings? And they knew when to play up the humor. And they even knew when to do the silly, like like the silly, like, oh, you've got nine lives. I'll take one of them now. And like these little like kind of idioms that we do and borrowing. But because the film needs us to feel happy for a moment. The film needs us to do this for a moment before we go here. And I thought for a really basic premise, I mean, you know, it's not that far removed from Lord of the Rings. You're just going to walk for a really long time and have crazy adventures. Yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to own that. Lord of the Rings and Homeward Bound, same film. Um, How dare you? How dare you? Somehow Peter there's, Jackson. Less animal, hey. there's less animal death in Homeward Bound than Lord of the Rings. They got through this in a tidy 92 minutes. Peter Jackson should have taken some notes. Um, but um, they just kind of – they just in what's basically a move from point A to point B film, they got me to care a whole lot. And so well done to them for every emotion they made me feel. Not just the tears, but everything they did. So yeah, is there a little grumble on this one around the table? A little grumble, something that maybe... Yes. Okay. Um, when Kate leaves to go and do whatever she's doing, you know, taking the horses wherever, she leaves the animals in the garden. <laughs> <laughs> that's true that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever and the fence is really low as well and it's like no it's one like, in there it's really low there's like a stump right beside it oh no, yeah so it's, but i mean yeah they could they could quite easily get over the like, fence but even if the fence was high you would not go away for a few days and leave two dogs and a cat in the garden and the other animals look at Shadow like he's cracked the Da Vinci Code when he discovers how to jump over this fence. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Georgia? Um, similar to that, one, the fact that like they don't get What's-His-Face to come over and see the animals before Kate leaves, like that would make sense like because you just wouldn't do that. Two, the fact that we don't get to know what was written on the note, so we don't get the explanation for why Kevin thinks she's taken the animals with them. And then 
also why Sassy doesn't lead the other two dogs back to help. Like, I know it's because movie's got a movie, but like, surely they'd go there first or discover that he had he wasn't there or something. It would just make a bit a bit more sense. But other than that, I enjoyed it. All right, Ethan. Okay, so I'm I'm not actually gonna like criticize the movie that much right now. My biggest issue is nothing to do with the plot. It's more just. I don't like how the mouths don't move, and it feels like... Oh, um, see, I like the fact the mouths don't move. I felt like I was watching a Disney nature documentary, and how, like, you'll have, like, I don't know, uh, who, who, whoever, like, narrates them sometimes, just making weird quips and ad-libs every so often when a bear does, like, a cartwheel or something. It felt like that. And I want to pose a question to you guys. Do you think this film would have more of an emotional resonance with people if it was animated and you saw more emotion on those dogs? No. What? You mean like the great emotion that was shown in The Lion King? Yes. <laughs> I'm, I mean as in like 2D cartoon animation. Oh, you mean like similar... proper like 1994 Simba animation? Yeah, like actual like hand-drawn no. animation. No, it I won't. Different. And I'm going to say... It's be... not the same, no. I'm going to say because... This is a feat of an animal you have. If I if I disnify it, then it's 101 Dalmatians. It's Bolt. Mm. It's I mean Bolt wasn't around then, but you but you get what I'm saying here. Yeah. I show you an animal that looks like the lab you've got in your house or the cat you've got in your house, and this is a story about the secret thoughts and relationships that they have in their real life with someone who looks like me and my stepdad who won't do his top two buttons up on his shirt either, and the relationship. (laughs) I think it's that idea because the fact it reminds me of my home, it gives an extra punch. What would happen if the dogs in my own house had to go across uh, uh, the mountains for me? Would they and could they do it? I think that's the the appeal. Uh, yeah. Okay. I see your point, though. I started yeah. out watching this going like it's really strange because you you can't get animals to do what you could if you did like draw it if it was like like we said like original Lion King animation. But throughout it, like it, well, about by about ten minutes in when they get the shadow first saying he's he knows that peter's sad i was like yeah no that's completely on me over because if you have a cartoon doing that it does not have as almost as much punch as seeing real animals sat there with a child with that narration over the top i think it's a much more powerful thing if you actually see a animal do it yeah because when that shot happens of the, of, the, of the car driving away if you had like a big cartoon eyes with the kid with a little tear bubbling up and his nose quivering that's not the same though is it because we have a, a separation of distance there ellie yeah. sure. and also i think with if you had it as an as an animated one some of shadow's lines that you know ian you were yeah. saying you absolutely loved them when he's saying things like i love you peter can you imagine how rubbish that would sound if it was just attached to a Josh An Gad animation. Just, just yeah. I love you. I love Peter. you guys. You're my best friend. I love like... warm hugs. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, that's a cursed thought. No, don't don't make me think of that. Uh, and so, uh, anything else, Ethan? I don't want to take away your your chance for um, a grumble. That was my my main grumble. I think I said my other grumbles just as in like how Kate is a. Comp- complete idiot and irresponsible uh <laughs> animal owner for leaving her well, entire farm well, she know, uh, like that i think is very stupid and it's overlooked by everyone so i'm putting i'm putting all of the adults at fault for that one um but 
I, other than that, it, I, I just don't think I got an emotional resonance from it like everyone else did. And I don't know if that was just I, it, I just didn't feel it, or that it was just the disconnect I had from like the te- the, the animals having telepathy. But it was just, I don't know. I think I just missed out on on, on this one. Okay. And uh, my little grumble, and it's not much here. Uh, I think of the, the stuff, I'm willing to forgive a lot, I think, based on the, 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 the nature of the film. Um, I guess my only grumble would be some pop culture references don't age well. And I think outside of that, you've got a fairly timeless film. And I think the minute you've got to explain to a kid who Arnold Schwartz a kid is, I think, I think you, 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 you've lost something there. So um, outside of that, though, I, I thought it was really, really well done. It's, it's, a, it's a minor gripe. Some of the writing, I went, okay, it's a little bit sliding too hard into real-world idioms, but I can live with that. That's fine. So that comes to rating time. Rating, whatever silly, crazy, weird-out rating system you want to come up with, this is the time to do it. Ellie, I will let you go first. Okay. So, I mean, I said I was going to be jumping on the nostalgia bus for this one, and I feel like it's like when you wait for a nostalgia bus and then three come at once. So I've given it three nostalgia buses out of one. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're to find the laws of time and space. Great. <laughs> Georgia. Um, I'm going to go with the uh, the dog theme here. I'm going to give it um, seven and a half good boys out of ten. Oh, <laughs> Ethan, I'm giving this five out of ten homeward frowns. <laughs> homeward frowns. I, I wrote that before I even saw the film, you, and I was like, "That's a joke that stays in, even if I like it." You really have no. Um, I have no heart today. No heart whatsoever. I'm going to go. The Abbot of the podcast. Now. I'm going to go eight and a half seconds underwater out of ten on this one. <laughs> um. <laughs> I I would rate this. I don't know what you guys feel. I mean, we haven't done this, and it's not my intent is to start this. But this is the best live-action film that I think I've seen so far on the podcast. Cool Runnings and Newsies. I believe the only ever two. Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins. Oh, Mary Poppins. Okay, I am going to. Okay, the best solely, the best solely live-action film on the podcast. Yeah. No, I agree with you yeah. with that one. Yeah, I and I love Newsies and I love um, uh, Cool Runnings, but this was this really did my heart good to see this. It's a gorgeous film, especially this is, this if is without magic. songs in it as well. Yeah, it's well, not a musical; it is just a straight film, isn't it? So if you compare it then just to Cool Runnings, absolutely. And again, I'm going to say Donna Michi, God bless you, God bless you, fantastic role. Um, much like Shadow being, you know, near the end of his tether. Uh, bless him. So was Don Amici, but left us with a really good one on the way out. And uh, I'm glad for it. For a guy who did, you know, um, trading places and, and, and things of that ilk to sort of on the way out give us a, a family-oriented film. And one that was so powerful and such a, a arguably could have been really easy just to mail this in. And I thought nailed it. So, uh, Ethan, I think that means... Are you up now? It's Georgia. Oh, it's no, Georgia. It's Georgia. I'm sorry. Georgia. That means it's your pick. 
So. No what? one gave me any warning for that. Oh, do you not know? You were after no. Ellie. <laughs> well, this will be. So while you're Hang thinking. On, let me find the Disney classic wh- list. While you're thinking. Definitely I, do something animated. I will stall for time. Yes, we have done a while since we've done an animated film. Um, Let's do some venting. Uh, so, by the time this comes out, we will have released our most recent episode on best film ever, which would have been Days of Thunder. So definitely go ahead and give that a shout. And we've got another big, big movie dropping the following Tuesday. And I, no, nobody else around the table knows it, so I can't let that drop. But definitely a star-studded affair. So definitely come check out. We've got some really big, good films coming out. Ones that I think will hit a lot of people's nostalgia buses, so to speak. Where, where, wherever you 42. were, hop on that. What was that? I hope it's movie 42. No, it's not movie 42. We're after the best film ever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so um, definitely worth doing that. Uh, please go ahead, hit us up on the socials again. We are at Talking the Mickey on Facebook and on Instagram, at Talk the Mickey on the Twitter. Our other podcast we do, Best Film Ever, is just at Best Film Ever Pod on all um, formats. That would be Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the Gmail. So get in contact with us. Uh, even, th- you know, never know, throw in a request. We may um, get around to uh, doing it. Probably easier on, on the Disney side than the non-Disney side. But even that's a bit of a grain of salt. Because, for instance, we're not going to burn through Frozen 2, Moana, and Beauty and the Beast. We Because then we'd be left with a lot of eh on the back side. But... On that note, Georgia, I'm assuming you are ready to give us your choice now, so why don't you go ahead and do that? I was just having a quick flick through and realized we've not picked anything particularly um, traditional for a while. We've done quite a few of the um, different ones. So I've gone more traditional. I've gone more not necessarily um, old films. We're we're staying quite recent, um, but we are going with a more traditional style in fact the last traditional style um 2d animation that disney have produced we are going to go to the world of princess and the frog yes! um yes! ethan's very excited about it um, so much i do i do enjoy this film i've not seen it in a while um but i do really enjoy it and i'm looking forward to going back and revisiting it have we Keith all David. seen princess and the frog yes okay I wasn't sure. I've seen, it, I've seen it once. So uh, this will be an interesting conversation. I'm going to have such a tonal shift in, in like, sort of positivity. <laughs> what, you went from, like, I have no heart to my heart has grown three sizes. I have, I have so much soul for this film. Do I you? love this film. I really enjoy this film. And, like, Keith David, man. Keith David. So why not join us next week and find out if Ethan actually does like this film? That would be a good <laughs> shout. So join us next week when we talk about The Princess and the Frog. So for Talking the Mickey, I have been Ethan. I've been Ellie. I've been Georgia. And yeah. I've been Ethan the Robot. And I hope that when you listen to this podcast, you too will admit that the last hour and 50 minutes have been an incredible journey. We'll see you next time.
world.